Hello everybody and welcome back to Legends of the Batman. I am Michael Bradley and with me as always is Michael Kaiser. Hello. This is episode number two and this month out we will be looking at the world of Batman in May 1939. Which, given that it's only the second month of existence for the character, is just one comic book, Detective Comics number 28. Just to recap, uh, the idea behind this show is pretty simple. Each episode we're going to take a month of Batman and talk about it. Uh, right now, all we've got is comics, but eventually we'll be adding in the serials and the newspaper strips, etc. Uh, neither one of us are Batman experts, but we've read enough of the character that we've read enough that we know we like the character, and we want to dig a little bit deeper. Uh, we know enough to keep our head, heads above water, but if we miss something or if you've got further insight into the stuff we talk about, just let us know. We like feedback, and as Michael has said, we aren't doing this show in a bubble, so. We want to hear from you, and we want to talk to you, um, so we'll be giving our contact information at the end of the show, and just be sure to drop us a line with your comments. Yep. So, this month, we're, uh, we have quite a bit to talk about. Uh, Detective Comics number 28, and uh, that's it. So, um, Detective Comics number 28 was has a cover date of June 1939. It was uh, released approximately around May 11th of 1939. Uh Cover price ten cents, and the cover unfortunately does not have Batman on it. Um, I believe it's supposed to be characters from a, the Speed Saunders story that's in this book, but uh, any connectivity to that story is very loose. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I, I thought it was just a generic. The only reason I think it is cover. is because is they're wear the thugs are wearing the same colors as the thugs in that that oh, okay. that story, and it's drawn by the same guy, Fred Gardiner. So oh okay. That's why I think, but they, they weren't held up by the police. Anyway, let me describe it. It's <laughs> it's two uh, two two bad guys, one in an orange suit and one in a green suit, and they're being held up by the police, which didn't happen in the story I'm thinking of, so it may have nothing to do with it. But anyway, it's not Batman, so what do we care? Right. Um, but speaking of credits, as I just gave credit uh, to Fred Gardiner for that cover, uh, we'd like to pause and point out that as far as Golden Age credits go, it's not necessarily as easy to determine who did what as it is today, um, especially if Bob Kane is involved. <laughs> um, he always had his own studio on the side full of ghostwriters and artists. and So Mike and I are going to try and do our best to give you who we think um, made these stories, but you know, sometimes people just don't know. Yeah. Or, or they're taking their best guess. So that's that's all we're going to we're going to have to do here. But uh Anyway, moving on, the first story is the Batman story, and it was eventually titled Frenchie Blake's Jewel Gang. I don't think it was originally titled, but in uh, when it was reprinted in the archives, they gave it a name. Um, credits are script by Bill Finger and art by Bob Kane. And the story opens with a newspaper boy stereotype exclaiming, Extra, extra, $100,000 jewel robbery. Jewel thieves pull fifth sensational robbery. Police baffled. No clues. Extra. Uh, cut to that evening when Bruce Wayne, who we now all know from last issue, is secretly the mysterious and totally awesome Batman, makes a phone call to a stool pigeon named Gimpy. Uh, Bruce disguises his voice as that of Police Commissioner James Gordon and threatens Gimpy to tell him, a.k.a. Commissioner Gordon, all he knows about this jewel gang, or he, a.k.a. Commissioner Gordon, will send, we'll send Gimpy back to prison. Gimpy, being superstitious and cowardly, as all criminals tend to be, 
tells Commissioner Gordon, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, that a man named Frenchie Blake is the mastermind of the robberies, and that yet another robbery is going to take place that very night at the Vandersmith's apartment. You know, the Vandersmith's. Um, apparently, Gimpy knows his stuff, because we then cut to two slick jewel thieves who have already pulled the job and are now making their escape via rooftop. Uh, but suddenly, the Batman appears from nowhere, knocking the first guy down and then making a repeat performance from last issue by throwing the second thief off the roof. Uh, Batman then picks up the stolen, stolen jewels and waits. Suddenly, two police officers charge onto the roof, because when you throw someone off the roof, policemen always show up. And they spot the Batman, who makes a point of dropping the stolen jewels in front of them. The Batman then gives them a smile, bids them adieu, and escapes awesomely by jumping from rooftop to rooftop with the help of a silk rope he pulls from his belt. The police, happy they got the jewels back, decide Batman must be part of this nefarious jewel gang, which is exactly what Batman wants them to think. The next day, the newspaper headlines read, Batman, head of jewel gang, eludes captors by spectacular leap. The real head of the jewel gang, Frenchie Blake, again, that gimpy guy knows his stuff, is slightly annoyed that the Batman ruined his last heist, but is nonetheless happy that the police will be looking for the Batman now, which takes the heat off him and his boys and lets them pull more jobs. So he plans another one, while the Batman, figuring Frenchie would do exactly that if the police thought Batman was the thief, listens in on the next plan by hanging outside of Frenchie's window. That night, two more of Frenchie's goons are robbing another joint, this time a home belonging to the Nortons, you know, the Nortons, when in through a window swings the Batman, who makes short work of them. He then calls Commissioner Gordon to let him know there are two men from the Jewel Gang that survived an encounter with him and are tied up at the Norton home, waiting to be taken into custody. The Batman then leaves to the same way he came in, before jumping into his car and dashing off to confront Frenchie himself. Frenchie, at home playing solitaire, <laughs> while waiting to hear back from his boys, gets the scare of his life when he answers a knock at his door and finds the Batman waiting for him. Batman quickly knocks Frenchie down and then ties his rope around Frenchie's leg, hanging him out of the window and demanding that Frenchie write, write a complete confession or else he will cut the rope and let Frenchie fall to his death. Frenchie agrees to sign the confession but then afterwards attempts to take down the Batman by surprise. But the Batman knocks Frenchie out easily with one punch and then takes him to the police station, leaving him unconscious on their front steps. After finding Frenchie on their doorstep, the police deliver a note to Commissioner Gordon that they find taped to Frenchie's back, which reads, Dear Commissioner, I thought you might like to have the leader of the Jewel Gang. I'm also leaving his confession and stolen jewels. Till we meet again, I remain the Batman. The end. I thought it was sweet that he left a note. Yeah. <laughs> and that, he actually didn't sign a Batman. He just drew a little picture of a bat. So yeah. Kind of cute. A headless. Well, no, it's got a little head, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But no, I like this issue, this this story. Yeah, I did too. I mean, it, I don't think it was quite as tight as as last last week's issue, but. Yeah, I had a I had a note about that. There's lots of um, there's lots of action, lots of Batman punching people, but there mm-hmm. just doesn't seem to be as much story. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. No. You know, there's not really a mystery like there was last time. So. Right. Right. Um, and I kind of wonder if they didn't notice that too, because next issue we, you know, the stories get longer next issue. Mm-hmm. So I did. I wonder if they just realized, hey, we need more pages here. And yeah, it must be pretty hard to have written these in six page. Oh yeah. Six pages. You know, that's a, that's pretty tight confinement. So we got on the opening page here. Um, I I don't think we read 
uh, last episode that the opener on Detective 27, there was a little uh, – the first panel had a silhouette of Batman and a little description about who he was. Uh-huh. Um, and they did it again with with this issue. but is it's it, a, Is it the same text? It's slightly different. So let me read Detective 27. It says – the Batman, a mysterious and adventurous figure, fighting for righteousness and apprehending the wrongdoer in his lone battle against the evil forces of society. His identity remains unknown. And now with 28, it says, The Batman, a mysterious and adventurous figure, fighting for righteousness and apprehending the menaces of society in his lone battle against the evil. His identity remains unknown. He is one Bruce Wayne, bored young socialite. So it seems like they just cut off a cut off a sentence to fit in the Bruce Wayne. Yeah. It's at the end. Mm. Um, against the evil. Against the evil, and I, I think it's interesting that they say he's secretly Bruce Wayne aboard socialite. Mm-hmm. So are, are they suggesting that maybe he's Bruce Wayne is Batman because he's bored? <laughs> um, anyway. <Possibly. laughs> yeah. Or they're just saying that that's his identity as aboard socialite. But anyway, since they haven't told us one way or the other. Uh, at the beginning, this this uh, newspaper boy, mm-hmm. I read his quote, but I I said extra extra, and I don't know what it really says. You're the newspaper man here, so you tell me what the heck is W U X T R Y? It's Wuxtry. It's just old newspaper slang for extra. So that's how you pronounce it, Wuxtry. That's how I pronounce it. Hmm. But I I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it except for you know in written form. So okay. I just found that interesting. I'd, I'd never heard that before. Yeah, it's not used anymore. It's you know because they don't really have newsboys standing on the street corner selling papers anymore. But right, right. Um, but yeah, like back in the 40s. I I don't know why Jewel is misspelled though, unless it's to indicate the newsboy has a like a Brooklyn accent. But that's what I was figuring. I don't I don't know how spelling it J O O L indicates what kind of accent he has, but God, yeah. But it's it, Jewel. Yeah, a jewel. Yeah, I don't know. Um, should we talk about what Batman looks like? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's not really a lot of change from last issue. Um, no. His ears are a lot pointier, and he's yes. missing his gloves. But yeah, see, I, I I didn't notice that, so that's a good catch on your part. Yeah, that's that's a horrible yeah. decision on his part. You didn't notice the gloves? I didn't notice he was missing his gloves before. Wow. No. Because um, his last issue, his gloves just went to his wrist anyway, so I guess I just didn't notice that instead of purple hands, he has flesh-colored hands. Um, that's a bad idea, because, you know, he probably has fingerprints. But Yeah. <laughs> but as we've seen, Batman hasn't really developed his keen detective skills yet anyway. No. Anyway, so, or if he has, the police are just idiots. You know. Yeah, speaking of uh, idiot police, if you think about it... Um, it says at the very beginning, it says the jewel robbery, the jewel thieves, um, you know, have committed five robberies and the police are completely baffled. And the way that Batman solves this problem is he calls one of the police's stool pigeons who has all the information, knows who the head of the jewel thieves are and knows what their next job is going to be pulled. Yeah. It's, like, it's too bad the police didn't think to call a uh, poor Gimpy. Yeah. But. And he, he just calls him by disguising his voice. Yeah. No fancy tech, no, you know, yes. uh, call distortion technology. It's just making a funny voice. See, I, I've heard that I, I've heard about Superman's super ventriloquism. I didn't realize Batman had, you know, <laughs> bat ventrilo or bat, bat voice changing. Yeah. 
He's a voice disguise master. But that was kind of neat. Um, I wonder if we'll see that again. I guess we'll find out. But um, so kill number three. Yes. Same way he killed that. The and, first and we're guy. only on the first page. And we're second on issue. The first page. He's killed three people already. Yeah. This one was much worse because uh, they're actually on top of a building this time instead of yeah. just a house. So yeah. I don't. This guy definitely did not survive. No. No. They say twice uh, later in the issue that he died. Oh yeah. Page um, over here on page three. The policeman mentioned it, and then two panels later, the uh, the bad guy mentions it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I really I like the scene where he escapes from the police, you know, doing these somersaults and. Yeah, he seems a lot more acrobatic this time out than. Yeah. It, did you? And happier too. It kind of reminded like he was playing a game. It reminded me of a uh, you know like old school Robin Hood or or Zorro, you know, mm-hmm. where they're always smiling and and evading the the man and. Um, just but very he, sensational. Um, but at the same time, it, he's pretty much you know straight to business as far as the fight goes, and then he's quipping afterwards. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure I I necessarily care for this idea that he wants to make sure they think he's the head of the jewel gang. It does seem kind of convoluted of a of a night uh, you know a yeah plot. What was what? They had just done five robberies. Was there some sort of indication they were going to stop? <laughs> I mean, what did it matter? Yeah. But I don't know. I like the escape, so I guess that works. And this is the first appearance of uh, his utility belt in action, I guess. Where he, he pulled is that up. where the rope comes from? Because it it looked yeah. like it just kind of showed up out of nowhere. That's what it looks like, but the caption says he quickly draws a tough silk rope from his belt. So his belt. Oh, Okay. And actually, if you look at the page, the panel right before he starts whirling it over his head, it's hanging off his belt. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. That just came out of nowhere. It wasn't there before. Maybe he ejected it from one of the little pockets on his belt. Yeah, could be. But anyway, the belt is actually officially useful as of this issue. Cool. For more than holding up his trunks. Yep. And it's a uh, square buckle, which I just... Uh Uh-huh. Last issue, it was round. It was round on the inside, wasn't it? Yeah. So he's getting closer to his more traditional look. Mm-hmm. But his wings, his wings. See, I said it again. His yeah. cape still looks like wings when they're when he's flying around. It's yeah, it's a little more capey. Yeah. Capish. A little bit, but if you look on this uh, on the third page when he lands on the roof. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. It definitely looks like wings. Um, I think it's kind of funchy, funny that. Uh, Maybe not funny. I was thinking that if I were Frenchie and and the newspaper decided that Batman was the head of my gang and was responsible for all of my recent robberies, that maybe I would just pack up and move to Vegas. <laughs> move to a different town? Yeah. It's like, obviously, they're not looking for me. Right. Right. <laughs> so I quit. That's that's where I think Batman's logic is just... Yeah. It's like it, he, he kind of shot not, himself in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't understand why he had to make the... No. It, I don't know. I think, I mean... I don't necessarily hate it, but it, it does seem like um, just too much plot that wasn't necessarily necessary. Mm-hmm. Necessarily necessary. That wasn't necessary. But um, but I also think that maybe what they were trying to do is show that Batman um, likes to outthink his opponents. He isn't just about punching them in the face. True. Well, uh-huh. he does do a lot of that. So maybe he's overthinking in this particular story, but but at least he's thinking. Right. Um. And I also think it's funny, I mean, because obviously this is probably before the, uh, you know, microscopic tap was invented, but he's just hanging outside of Frenchie's window (laughs) 
Yeah, listening yeah. in on the guy's plans for the next robbery, it's like I'm sure glad nobody looked out the window. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's just not not especially sneaky for Batman, but not not very stealthy. No. And also, I just um, this whole issue. I, I mean, this whole story. I know it takes place at night, but unlike last um, issue, it doesn't seem like night to me, just because of the way it's colored. Yeah, the coloring's a bit. It's like he's out right. broad daylight. So. Yeah. Um, but you can see the moon in the sky, and they they keep referring to it as night in the caption. So it's obviously supposed to be night, but right. Anyway. Well, they they hadn't really at this point gotten to the you know the place where they could do darks, you know, mm-hmm. subtle dark you know shade coloring uh, like they can now. Right. Yeah. So I noticed on page uh, page four, his costume's starting to get a, even more blue than it. Than it initially was. Uh huh. Um, like originally, the blue or the blue is just on the inside of his cape, and otherwise everything's black. But now you can see he's got blue boots going on, and his cowl's kind of blue. Right. Yeah. In the first issue, with the exception of inside the cape, the blue seemed almost more, more like highlighting from the colorist. But mm-hmm. here, it looks like it is blue with lots of you know black shading. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot more action again. I mean, he takes out these two guys that are that are robbing the Norton's house. Yeah, I, relatively yeah. quickly. One punch and mm-hmm. a couple of flips, and they're done for. But he also does a little banter with him, so very Spider-Man like. Yeah. The guy says, "Okay, Mister, we've been waiting for you." And Batman's response: "Thanks, gentlemen, for waiting. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know how much I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate your favor." favor. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. I don't know. It's like he's having a lot of fun this story. Yeah. Um, do you think he was disguising his voice when he called the commissioner there on that page? I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, I guess you just don't have the benefit of hearing that kind of thing in comic yeah. books. Where, it, But it seems like uh, in most of the cartoons or movies or something, he, he goes out of his way to have a different voice than Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. You would hope he would because since he and the commissioner are so chummy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. And since he's still driving Bruce Wayne's car yep. around the city. There you go. Yeah, he's driving the same car he was driving uh, last episode, and I looked it up, and it's supposed to be based on a 1936 Cord 810. If that oh, well, means, that's interesting. That means anything to anybody who likes cars out there. Um, but yeah, still just a regular old car. Nothing, no bat motif yet. No. Nope. Uh, In red, yep. so it's pretty, pretty visible. <laughs> pretty visible, yeah. I guess nobody. Well, you know, and the thing is, last last episode we we said that you know maybe just nobody has ever seen Batman driving, but of course, in this issue he he <laughs> does, yeah. he does a drive by right by the police station, yeah. pops the horn, lets the guy uh-huh. drops the villain on the front steps and drives away. So now he's being really careless. But yeah. But uh, speaking of villain, we got uh, Frenchie Blake <laughs> playing solitaire, just playing solitaire. That seems Criminal so mastermind. That just seems so sad. <laughs> I have no one to play with me. Uh, um, but I like this shot, this third panel when he op- when Frenchie opens the door and Batman's just there to say boo. Yeah, yeah, that's it's pretty cool. I had a note about that too. Um, that it was a pretty cool panel, and you know it would have made a nice splash page. Yeah. If, if they did splash pages back, which they don't. Heck but. no, man! They got six pages to do all. <laughs> There's like 14 panels a page on these things. <laughs> um, 
not uh, decompressed storytelling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, I think if I were in Frenchie's position, whether I was guilty or innocent, I'd certainly be signing a confession. If, uh, well, yeah, when you hang a guy out the window. Right. Um, I always wonder about that sort of thing. Like how, how well would that stand up in court? But you know, some guy in a mask threw me out the window and made me write a confession or he was going to kill me. Um, but obviously Frenchie is guilty. So. Yeah. I guess from a kid's standpoint, it works. <laughs> yeah. It. Do you think it – I don't know. It's, it seemed like Batman would have to be moving pretty insanely fast, though, in that panel to yeah. throw Frenchie out the window, tie the rope around the bedpost, lasso Frenchie, and, and before he hits the pavement. It, I mean, it does seem like that's what he's doing. I wonder if it's just described poorly. It could be. Because the panel before it, he punches Frenchie in the face, and maybe there should have been a panel in between where Frenchie was unconscious or something. Yeah. Well, he set all that up. But yeah, it looks like he, th- he punches him, throws him out the window, and then rigs it all together somehow. But uh, yeah, that's awfully fast if that's what he did. But my favorite scene happens at, uh, from this story happens at the end of that page, or starts at the end of the page, when what? Frenchie lunges at the Batman and Batman just suck <laughs> just like he did, just like he did last <laughs> issue yeah 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 he always just takes the main bad guy out with one punch and it's always some last ditch effort on their part to to get him uh-huh um yeah but unlike last issue this time he doesn't kill frenchy he uh gets in his car ties him up gets in his car <laughs> goes to the police station puts him on the uh the stairs or the doorstep and honks his horn and drives away yeah I think but that's how, pretty how did uh, how did Frenchie get knocked unconscious though? Did Batman punch him again, or did he drug him, or? You know, I don't. He he's talking there after the first punch, so right. I don't know. And then two panels later, it says that he dumps his unconscious body on the sidewalk. So. Well, you know, he's tossed two people off the roof at this point. I'm sure <laughs> he has no problem knocking people out. Right. You know. Um, Superman stabbed the guy and took his you know stole his identity, so surely Batman can. Yeah. Knock a guy unconscious for a few days. Yeah, Lois Lane yeah. drugs her co-workers. <laughs> to, to get a story, yeah. She's not even a superhero. <laughs> uh, so only one uh, one panel appearance of Commissioner Gordon in this issue. Yeah, just, just, just reading a note. Yeah. Um, so I liked how Batman just, you know, drove up and politely honked the horn and then drove away, though. That was Yes, <laughs> that was really funny. It's like he's dropping off the laundry. Yeah. So all in all, I think it was a pretty, it was a, you know, a fun story. I think it had a lot of action, and uh, yeah, I do think they overthought it a little bit, and it's just not quite as tight as last issue. But, um, and also it just kind of bugs me that, and I know, you know, you're thinking too much into this when it comes, you know, don't think too much into superheroes, but, it, um, you know, Batman, he's a a vigilante who works outside the law because the law doesn't work for him, right? So right. then he captures the criminal outside the law, you know, ties him up, and then proceeds to give it them, give them over to the law to be processed by the system that he doesn't believe in. So right there, you got to scratch your head, but um, that's just the way it's got to be because we don't want Batman to be a killer. But I got to thinking that in the golden age here, and at least these first two issues, he's already killed three people. So you wonder why he would kill 
you know, just a common jewel thief who's not even the leader or anything, throw him off the roof. But when it comes to the main bad guy at the end, he just hands him over. Yeah. Why not just break that's... his neck? <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's too violent. There was no acid bat nearby to punch him in, I guess. Right. I guess you could say that the, uh, what was his name from last issue? Uh, uh, Striker. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say that was an accident. He didn't mean to kill him. Yeah. But he clearly threw the guy off the roof, this issue. Mm-hmm. And you know, last issue. And last issue. So, it... So yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't want to look too much into how, how superheroes are work in real life, you know. Um, it just seems to me that in this case, he's, he's a character who's willing to kill, and yet mm-hmm. he only does it. I mean, at this point, in this issue, really killing. he killed the guy just to summon some cops so that he could, <laughs> you know, be witnessed. That's a horrible reason to kill somebody. He could have just called ahead and had the cops meet him there, you know? Oh, but, you're right. He did call him or kill the guy just so the cops would show up. Yeah, I mean, that's a horrible. Wow. That's cruel. And then meanwhile, he just, you know, wraps Frenchie up and delivers him to the police. Hmm. Uh, you were, while we're back at the, you know, the front of the story, you, you mentioned the, uh, the cover with the two guys in the suits from the mm-hmm. Speed Saunders story. Yeah. Well, the two guys here at the beginning of this story are wearing orange and green suits as well. I don't know oh. if you noticed that. No, I didn't. So so maybe it's a generic cover that's supposed to represent multiple stories in this. It could be, yeah. Or not represent any stories in this issue. <laughs> I don't know what the common you know practice of Detective Comics was, but um, I guess we'll see. Usually they just had um, just kind of like generic stock covers. And then it was around this time they started using the features on the front. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Batman is back next issue already. So yeah, unlike where initially Superman, I think had, there was like seven issues where he wasn't on the cover. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see. This story was reprinted in Batman Archives Volume One in 1990 and in Batman Chronicles Volume One in 2005. That was much easier than last issue. <laughs> Where it had, you know, like a dozen different reprints, yeah. Yeah. So, of course, as this is only six pages, there is uh, many more stories to fill this issue. So I'm just, like last episode, I'm just going to go through them real quick. Um, the next story is called Just a Second, J-E-S-T. It's one page, and it's also by Bob Kane, which I found interesting. Uh, I'm not sure who wrote it. And I don't really have a synopsis for this because it's basically four separate humor panels unrelated to one another. Um, Just a filler. Just like last issue, they had humor fillers also. Um, But on the top of this page, there is a line that says, check out the adventures of Superman in action comics, which I thought was cool. And on the bottom is uh, Rosati again trying to plug or uh, get people to pick up his accordion catalog. So. I love that. I, I don't know why I love that ad so much, but <laughs> I want to just keep track of how many times we see it. Um, okay, so the second story is called The Dope Ring, and it features Speed Saunders. Uh, script is again unknown, but Pencils and Inks by Fred Gardiner. And it's about a newspaper tycoon named Hawkins hires Speed Saunders, ace detective, to investigate and break up a dope ring which ends up being run by Hawkins himself, making Hawkins the stupidest man on the planet for paying for his own downfall. Uh, Next story is called Killing by Proxy. Six pages feature Buck Marshall, script, pencils, and inks by Homer Fleming. And it's Buck Marshall, Ranger Detective, heads to 
Sage City, where he goes undercover, posing as a notorious criminal named Kid Fanner in order to entrap a ranch hand intent on murdering his boss. Okay, then we have Saboteur's Bob Steamer, which is a Bart Regan story by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. And uh, a country called Baralia, which I think is made up, declares war on the USA after one of their steamers is mysteriously blown to pieces. And it is, and it is up to Bart Regan's spy and his cohort Jack Steele to prove America's innocence. That's the uh, last Joe Schuster drawn spy strip, too. Is it really? Yep. It goes to another artist next month. Because he's just got too much Superman to do. Too much Superman to do. Um, then we have uh, a story called The Bagalon Ruby, featuring the Crimson Avenger, which is by Jim Chambers. And the Crimson Avenger rescues Miss Blaine from a group of turbaned stereotypes who've stolen the Bagalon Ruby. <laughs> um, next story, Human Cargo. And this is another one of those obligatory uh, text pieces. Uh, so it's only two pages, and it's featuring a character named Captain Benson, and it's by Jack Anthony. And the story goes, after finding a leg floating in the water, Captain Benson and the crew of the Harbor Patrol investigate an oil tanker they believe is really being used to smuggle Chinese into America. Which got me thinking of last episode, we talked about a, uh, a different story, uh, involving Cosmo, the Phantom of Disguise, who pretty much was doing the same thing, trying to figure out how Chinese were being smuggled into America. So, <laughs> lots, appara- of, lots of smuggling. Apparently, in, yeah, this day and age, that was a big problem. Um, next story, The New Orleans Mardi Gras Murder, Part 2. Script Pencils and Inks by Tom Hickey. And it's a Bruce Nelson story where he continues to help his friend investigate the murder of a woman killed in New Orleans by black magic and... This story just keeps going on and on and on, and it's again to be continued. Uh, I don't don't think it's ever going to (laughs) end. I really have no desire to summarize it into too much detail, but essentially it's two guys sitting around talking a lot about clues. Um, The next story, speaking of really boring stories, is The Insidious Dr. Fu Manchu, Four Pages, by Sax Romer and Leo Omelia. And I cannot summarize this one for you guys to save my life because it's like it's like tuning into a five hour movie you know three hours into it i just have no idea who these people are Um, the good news is is this is the last fu manchu strip so exactly that's what i worry anymore about it so sorry everybody i'm not going to help you on that one if you want to know about it pick up detective number one and start from there i would think just just run out to your back issue bin i'm sure there's one there yeah (laughs) no problem in the 50 cent bin um Next story, The Trunkston Hall Fox Hunt. And this is a uh, Cosmo Master of Disguise story by Sven Elvin. Kind of a confusing plot, but I'll try. After his friend, Colonel Carrington, flees, flees from a man named Fisher because of debt, Cosmo, the Phantom of Disguise, who does not disguise himself in any way whatsoever, story, <laughs> aids the colonel's daughter by investigating the haunting of, a, of the colonel's house which ends up being a ploy by Fisher himself in an attempt to prevent the colonel's daughter from selling the house, which would thereby force her to marry Fisher or something. So that's how that one went. It's very convoluted. It was very convoluted. I kept thinking it was going to go one way, and then it just kept going. (laughs) 
Anyway, and the last story, certainly not least, is 13 pages called The White Horn Inheritance, and it's a Slam Bradley feature by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster again, because those guys get around. And it's uh, Slam Bradley is included in the will of a millionaire, Caleb Whitmore, whom he once saved from a group of ruffians, and stands to inherit one million dollars if he can survive one night locked away in Whitmore's, locked away with Whitmore's mean, selfish, grasping chiseler relatives. <laughs> um, Slam, Slam succeeds, and as a bonus, also discovers that it was Whitmore's son Ronald who murdered his father. Slam's and Slam ends up giving his money to charity in the end. It's like a murder she wrote plot. Kind of. It's like one of those locked in the same house together. Yeah. Delios. Um, but there was something cool in here. I have a little note here that um, when Slam initially uh, finds out that he's included in someone's will, he decides it must mean that he's you know, getting a lot of money. So he goes to a car dealership and a used car salesman tries to sell him a car called a Superman Streamline 6. Oh, yeah. That was from – the. oh, wow. That's um, Siegel referencing a previous Superman story. Okay. Say I, I – because it's Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, I figured they were just saying Superman. I didn't know if it came from a story or not. Yeah, it was uh, Action Comics number six, I think, the one with the um, the guy that gets, gets the phony Superman. Uh-huh. I don't know. You may I not have heard that, that episode of my no. show when I covered that. Uh, no, this guy, he, uh, he tries to pretend like he's Superman's manager, and he gets all these uh, Superman product endorsements and stuff, and then Superman busts him when he tries to... Uh, get another guy to pretend to be Superman. Okay. Yeah, yeah I thought that was pr- kind of cool that they threw in their, their other that other character they have in this Slam Bradley mm-hmm. story. And also on this in this story there's a the, the opener is is a Slam Bradley punching some guy in the face with a quote that is going to end up on a t-shirt that I own someday <laughs> that says people who don't keep their hands to themselves get fists in their faces. <laughs> uh Batman and Slam Bradley should have a crossover. Yeah, that would be fun. So, you want to take Elsewhere and the DCU? Okay, sure. Uh, first, there's two books that we mentioned, or that I should have mentioned last episode. Uh, Mike and I have kind of changed how we're going to cover things as far as by uh, cover date or, or publishing order, you know. So, there's two comics that I should have mentioned last uh, episode and didn't. And those were All American Comics number three, which is the first appearance of um, Ma Hunkle, who would later go on to become the Red Tornado. Are you familiar with that character with the the cooking pot on her head? Uh, I'm no? familiar with the Red Tornado. I don't know if I've ever heard of Ma Hunkle before. Yeah, she was the Golden Age. It was like a joke character. Okay. And uh, she appeared in. Um, couple issues of all-star comics i think just like as a cameo it was by sheldon mayer and she was this uh elder large elderly woman and she put on the costume and she had a cooking pot on her head and that was her costume okay (laughs) it was yeah anyway i'll believe you (laughs) and then there was the new york world's fair comic that was sold at the 1939 world's fair okay that i've heard of right uh no batman story in this one uh, there is in the 19. 19- well, he wasn't created yet. Well, That's he had no just excuse. appeared, I guess. That's no yeah, excuse. No. But it, it, it is the first appearance of the Sandman. So okay. There you go. That's cool. But uh, books, too. other books out uh, in May 1939 were Action Comics number 13, which had the first appearance of the Ultra Humanite. Uh, 
there was movie comics number three with uh, some more movie adaptations. There was more fun comics number 44, adventure comics number 39. The federal men's story in that is an anti-marijuana piece called Reefer Madness. <laughs> oh. I have a shirt that says that too. <laughs> uh, and uh, there was All-American Comics number four. And finally, the, the biggest book of the month that didn't have Batman in it was Superman number one. Well, still which, a pretty cool book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, uh, it was pretty much all reprints. Um, it reprinted the first four issues of Action Comics, and then it had two additional pages and a text story and then a profile of Siegel and Schuster. And, so, a, and a ridiculously iconic cover. Oh, yeah. Probably. I don't – Probably. The best thing about that book. Yeah. And then uh, let's see. That's pretty much it. Okay. As far as elsewhere. Okay, well, I know you want to contact us, and we absolutely appreciate any and all feedback. So you can send your emails to podcast at batmanlegends.com, or you can just use the handy-dandy contact form we have on our website at batmanlegends.com, where you can also find notes for the show and a link to the show's RSS feed, which you should definitely be subscribing to. Definitely. And speaking of subscriptions, you can also subscri- subscribe to this show via iTunes. Just search for Legends of the Batman in the iTunes store or click the iTunes link on our website. Any comments, especially of the positive variety, you'd like to leave on our iTunes page is also appreciated. And speaking of clicking links, uh, make sure to click the link on BatmanLegends.com to the show's Facebook page uh, or search for Legends of Batman within Facebook itself. And then go ahead and click like so we can inundate your Facebook wall with podcast updates. Uh, And last but certainly not least, you could and should be listening to Mike's Golden Age Superman podcast, The uh, Thrilling Adventures of Superman. Uh, And you can do that by heading on over to greatcrypton.com. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Okay. Um, So thanks again for tuning in, and we'll be back here next week uh, to cover Detective Comics number 29. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Copyright DC Comics. Ta-da. Ta-da.